chapter 2 and verse 9. And we'll just read verses 9 and 10. And that's the main basis of today's message as we look at the church described throughout the Bible as the people of God. What does that mean for us, Wodonga District Baptist Church, today? Um, why don't we read, let me read to you from 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10. It says here, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now... You are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And this morning we'll be looking at the way the Bible talks about God's people as being the people of God. I want to let you know too tonight, Aaron's going to be speaking to us. And the I uh, forgot to say a few things earlier, just that if you are new, my name's Jonathan Stark and I'm the senior pastor here. And uh, we've got a great team of pastors. Uh, we've got three pastors and a number of staff as well. And um, another thing too, each year as a church, we just uh, make these available, which are reading lists. And we were just staggered um, at the response. I think we gave out 50 the first week on the 30th of uh, December, and they all just went like that. Last week, I made another 30 of them, and they went, and we had to redo more for the evening service and the Another 20 were gone, and now um, we've got more available tonight, today, so we dare you to outdo us again this today. What we have got as well this time is, uh, last year we made available soap for you. Um, you know, a, a lot of people have said when you read through the Bible in a year and you've got three chapters to get through, and you, you, can, you, know, you can just think it's about reading the Bible and marking off a thing and saying that's it. So the soap idea is that you read through the chapters, you know, the two to three that are assigned for the day, and all the time you're saying, Lord, what chapter, what, ver what verse are you speaking to me about from this? And then you just underline the verse that you feel God's saying, or he wants you to think on. Then you spend some time making observations about the verse, so that's S, scripture, observations, then applications, how does this, the observations that I'm seeing in this scripture apply to my life, and now, how can I, pr what will I pray to ask God to do the next step. So that's just a simple soap uh, grid to read the Bible through with your daily readings. They're available at the back today too, so we hope you grab those. Now, I'm not normally as um, deep and authoritarian as I am today, but I have just a little bit of a cold, so that's what's going on there. I wonder when I say the word church, what springs to your mind? You know, uh, one of the images that just... Um, pop up or the word associations that happen. Um, I often, if you're like me, when that word comes up, there are a lot of things that come into my mind which aren't actually what the church is. I think of uh, cathedrals with beautiful stained glass windows. I think of uh, my very first early memories of the church in Papua New Guinea. I was just four years old. And I can still remember a communion table with a carved wood carving of the uh, Last Supper. And I remember thinking about, when I think of the church, I think about the communion table. 
Uh, I went to a church just not long ago down in uh, Barnawatha and um, I was uh, speaking there at a, little, at a CRE thing and I went to the toilet out the back and in the toilet was a frog just out, <laughs> sitting there. And I, when I think about churches, sometimes I think about that little frog. <laughs> but when you hear the word church, do you know the truth is that the church is not a building. Uh, it's not even the other things that come to my mind because when I think about church, sometimes I think about a priest in robes and sometimes I think about uh, the kind of things that we do at church and, and or the, I'm reminded of someone who once said to me, I would love to be a pastor, but I just couldn't handle all the politics. So for them, church and church structure and things all went together with that. What is the church? But today we're going to be looking at the church. We're going to be asking ourselves, what, what does God say the church is? What does the Bible say about that? And I can remember um, always being, uh, think, uh, knowing the, about the church, being part of it. As I said, when I was just four years old, my earliest memories are in, in church and seeing the uh, communion table. For me, it was the things that I thought about there. But I remember that quickly as I look back in my life, it became more than just a place. It became more about the people. I remember sitting in the back seat of our Holden Kingswood with my family as we drove in when I was just five years old to the Baronia Baptist Church in Melbourne. I remember actually the first entry in, it was a big deal, it must have been, because it stuck with me, the memory of driving in. And I remember I've actually left that church 27 years later, uh, the Baronia Baptist Church. So... And when I left that church, I went to be the pastor of the Dandenong Baptist Church. And during those 27 years, the things that made the most hugest impact on my life spiritually were people. Uh, people who you would never know their names. People who even the Baptist Union would never know their names. But normal, regular people who took their time to encourage me. I think about my Christian Endeavour teacher, Marg Hutchinson. I think about my Sunday school teacher, Mr Harrison. I think about my youth group leaders, Mr Brown, Mr and Mrs Brown and Mr and Mrs Muller. I think about uh, the one, Mr Bain, who took me through baptism classes. I think about uh, the Sprott family that had our family over a number of times for lunch after church and took an interest in me. I think about Mrs Moore who encouraged me to speak sometimes in church or to do a little Bible reading or to lead the singing very early on. I remember older people who took time to come and take an interest in me. And as I reflect on them, you would never know those people's names. But they were the people that shaped my faith, the church. Do you know... My experience of the church as a people has been God's plan from the very beginning of time. You know, the church of Jesus is neither a building nor an organisation. The truth is, it's rather a people, a special people, a people who have been called out, who see themselves in relationship with God and who understand that God saves them and saves those that he's placed us with and who share together in that salvation. 
Do you know, as you open the pages of the Old Testament, do you know what I find as soon as you start reading the Bible is that God has always been calling a people to himself. From the very beginning when he forms Adam, he walks with him in the garden and interacts with him. He comes to Noah when the world is, is totally away from God and full of sin. And he comes to Noah and he says, Noah, I'm going to wipe out this world, every living thing in it. But I'm going to save you and your family because you have been righteous and you have obeyed me. He makes a covenant with Noah and his family and he calls these people to himself. You know, we see God doing this in Genesis chapter 12. Why don't you turn with me to Genesis chapter 12 in your Bibles and we'll read this passage. In Genesis chapter 12, the God who's always been calling a people to himself comes to Abram and he says to him in verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people and your father's house and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and, I will be, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Right at the very beginning pages of the Bible, God is calling a people to himself, people who will follow him, will obey him. Do you know this continues where God comes to Moses in Exodus? Moses at the burning bush. Remember, God appears to him and calls him in the burning bush and says, Moses, I want you to go and set my people free. And Moses responds and he goes and he says to the people of Egypt, to Pharaoh, let my people go. And you know what happens? It gets worse. And Moses says, what are you doing, God? I thought you called me to set the people free. And look what, what God says to Moses in uh, Exodus uh, in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6. Why don't we turn across there and just see what God says to him. Exodus 6 and verses 6 and 7. He affirms with him that he is calling a people out and Moses hasn't got it wrong. He says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with my outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Here, Moses was, uh, God was reaffirming that he was calling a nation to himself. And this is seen in David too. David, as the king of Israel, uh, God comes to him and says, I too am going to, you're not the one that's going to build the temple, but I'm going to build the temple, I'm going to build the temple through your son, but I'm going to create a, a family that will endure forever. It continues right through the Old Testament. Do you know the incredible thing? Is when it comes to the New Testament, the New Testament writers see that the people that God was calling to himself, Israel, is now a new people. The Israel is now a new Israel. 
the people that God has called to himself that were a nation are now continuing to be his people, but this time through a new covenant. This is what Paul writes in Galatians 6. 6. He says, the Israel of God. He describes the New Testament church as the Israel of God. And Paul, uh, Peter makes particular use of it in the passage that we read this morning. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. The Bible ends in in Revelation 21 with with this affirmation of God's people. It says, The dwelling of God is with men, and I will live with them, and they will be my people. Right from the beginning to the very end, God is calling to himself a people. This covenant relationship continues right through and into the New Testament. The church inherits the promises of Israel on the basis of a new covenant, not through birth into race, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus says in Matthew 26, 28, this is my blood, the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And the writer of Hebrews affirms this in in Hebrews 9, 15. He says, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. God has been calling people to himself down the ages through making covenants with his people Israel. Despite often their sinfulness and their rebellion, And today, since Jesus is coming, God is still calling a people to himself. We are his people. We belong to God. We're his church. Not through birth, but through faith in Jesus Christ. A new birth. A spiritual birth. So when we come to... Think about the people of God as the church. Uh, When we come to think about what does it mean to be the people of God, there are two words that really um, stand out from the Old Testament that were used for them. And the first is called kwahal. Kwahal. You want to say that with me? Kwahal. Yeah? One more time. Kwahal. And this word means gathering together in response to, to God's call. This was used in Exodus 35.1 when Moses assembled the whole community and said to them, these are the things the Lord has commanded you. He assembled the whole community, kwahal. So the, the Old Testament word kwahal means the gathering together of God's people. The, the word is translated ecclesia or the church in the Greek version of the Old Testament. So the gathering together of God's people in response to God's call, it is kwahal and is translated the ecclesia or the church in the Old Testament. And this word was translated uh, church in the New Testament and has come to mean the gathering together of the called out ones of the church, the ecclesia. The second word is called edah, edah, 
You want to say that? Eda. And it means the national religious community. And these are the ones that are joined by birth. Here in Exodus 12, 3, uh, this is where God says, tell the whole community of Israel, the whole religious community, those who have faith and obedience in me that are my people. And the early Christians saw them as that the Old Testament, Israel, as a historic precedent for who they are today. They are now the new Quahal, the people of God, assembled, called out, the religious community gathered together, the church. So we are a people, a spiritual organism, not an institution, not an organisation. The church is primarily not about programs at all. It's about people. It's about people who have a relationship with God and who have a relationship with one another. So what does this mean for us? We're going to spend just a few moments now looking at this verse in 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10, where, where Peter talks about the people of God. And we're going to unpack what this means to be called his people today. Paul writes to those who are in the midst of hostile environment, a, a world that was hostile to Christianity, where people were being persecuted. And he writes to the Christians who are facing persecution all around, and, and his words to them as the people of God. And he says, these words apply to us today, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What does this mean? I think the first thing that comes out of us being called the people of God is that you, church, you, me, all of us, are chosen by God. Chosen by God. He's called you, if you responded by faith in Jesus Christ, he's called you to be his people. And do you know what? That is an awesome privilege. Just think about that for a minute. Let it sink in. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who spoke to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, reaffirmed with Moses and right down the ages, has called you. He's called you to be part of his family. That's an awesome privilege. He said, I will be your God and you will be my people. And he has said to you, I will be your God and you are my people. I spoke with a man not long ago I met at the library in Wodonga and uh, he was having a terrible day. And uh, we met up again later on and had a coffee together. And as he shared, he told me that he had never known his father and that he'd never known his mother. And he looked at me with pain in his eyes and he said, you know, I feel like I just don't belong. I don't have any roots. I feel like I just don't belong. Did you know the truth is, the fact that we're called the people of God is that even if you've never known your mother or your father, even if they didn't want you, 
Even if they made a, you were just a mistake, <laughs> you're no mistake with God. He knows you and he loves you. And if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've responded to his call and be part of his family. And that means that you're not rootless, that you're not without any foundation. The God of the heavens and earth has called you into his home. You are of immense value to him. It's an awesome privilege. So what would be our response to the fact that you are chosen by God? I would think it would be a response of worship, don't you? I mean, this is what David wrote when he was penning Psalm 8. He said, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And as he was writing how majestic he is, he writes in verse 3, when I consider the heavens, when I consider the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place. And then he says, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels and you crowned him with glory and honour. God, you're the creator of everything, David's saying, and yet you know me and you love me and you put honour, you, you, you have a relationship with me. This is awesome. How majestic is your name. Wow. You're part of the people of God, church. Why don't you look, give someone a nod next to you and say, I'm part of God's people. <laughs> you don't have to, but, you know, it's incredible, isn't it? Isn't it amazing? The second thing, look, that's also why I think in 1 John 3, 1, uh, he, he just writes, how great is the love of the Father that he's lavished on us that we should be called children of God. The God of the heavens and the earth has called you. You're in a great line of people from the ancient of days, part of his family. The second thing, First, you're chosen by God. Incredible. Second thing, you are a royal priesthood. You're a royal priesthood. You know, all of us who are part of God's family are special and important. In Old Testament times, they had a group of people called the Levites who were the priests, and they would offer sacrifices on behalf of Israel to God. But through faith in Jesus Christ in the new covenant, each one of us are priests. Each one of us are ones that come before the high priest, Jesus Christ, and we offer our sacrifices of praise, of service, of uh, ask for him for confession. We come straight to Jesus. We have a personal relationship with him. We are priests. Now, Baptists bend over backwards to make sure that each one of us understands that before the cross of Christ, none of us are more important than others. So I'm not uh, the right Reverend Jonathan Stark. You can just call me Jonathan. Isn't that great? You know why? Because you and I before God are loved just as much. We're equal. We're, we're special in God's eyes, both of us. Uh, the other thing that comes out of the fact that we're all royal priests is, is the fact the Baptists show that where you don't uh, come up to the front to receive communion from me as though I'm the only one that can give communion out. You know, we serve one another. Did you notice that? When we have communion... Every person serves each other. I serve the deacons, the deacons serve you, you serve the person next to you. You know what we're saying by that? We're the body of Christ. We're the, body, we're the people of God. Each one of us 
uh, are loved by God. Each one of us is special. Each one of us have an important part to play in this church. There's no people that are closer to, you know, more special in God's eyes. We're all saved through by his grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. It means we all have gifts to offer. It means I shouldn't be doing all the work. Thank goodness I'm not. <laughs> but my role is to empower and equip you so that we can all be serving and using the God-given gifts that he's given us to, to use. Our, our service as priests would offer sacrifices. And, and you, you offering to him is your life in, in worship, in service, in, in giving yourself to him every day. So if you're part of this church, we're all in this together. We're the people of God. If you're not serving, serve. Use your gifts. We're dependent on you. All of us together, the body of Christ. You are chosen by God. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You know, it says here in 1 Peter uh, 2, 9 to 10, once you are not a people, but now you are the people of God. You were once far from God. Uh, once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. It says he called us out of the darkness into the light. The Bible says when you were in the darkness, you were dead. When you come, come to the light to know Jesus, you were alive. When you're in the darkness, you are enemies of God. Now you're friends of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The transition is like night and day, black and white, death and life. It's so different. You've died to yourself. Uh, Paul writes in, uh, in one, uh, 2 Corinthians 15, he says, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, he says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You're a holy nation. You've been called by God, set apart. You're no longer part of the world, but you're a people belonging to God. Holy, pure, righteous, not in your own strength, but because what Jesus Christ has done on the cross and through your accepting his free gift of grace. You know the implications of this? What does this mean for us? Well, we better live up to what we declared in Christ, shouldn't we? If, if Jesus has called us righteous and holy and then we live sinfully and unrighteous, then we're not living up to what he's declared us to do. So it inspires us and calls us to say, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, God has declared us as holy and righteous, set apart. Well, let's not go back again to sin. In, in 2 Corinthians 6, 17, it says that because we are God's people, we're to separate, to be holy to move out, to not be like those who don't belong to God. It says there, therefore come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, I will receive you. And God's saying, here, if you're, a, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're set apart, if you're holy, why would you think about marrying someone who is far from God and doesn't share the same heart for him as well? Why would you seek to find your closest friendships through people that hate God and are against him and living in different ways. He's saying, no, you strangers, you're aliens in this world. Live for him. 
Because God has called us as his people, you are a holy nation. It's true. Live it out. Live it out. Paul says in Romans 12, after explaining the fact that now it's not through this uh, birth of being a Jew, it's through faith in Jesus Christ that you come to know him and part of his family. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Allow God's spirit to transform your mind and your heart as you live for him because of what he's done for you. If you're part of the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ, you were born at a price, the blood of Jesus Christ. Live in an awareness of that. Live a holy life. So I want to ask you this morning, are you obeying God? Are you living up to the status that he's declared you? Are you living in holiness? You're his people. First of all, you're chosen by God. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. And all of this is so. You might declare the praises of God. Do you know the people of God have always been a dynamic, growing body. The the, the Bible never knows of a time where the church would just uh, be, where God would just want the church to pitch its tent and say, this is where we're staying. You know, we're happy now. Look where we've come from. Isn't it great? And we're going to just stay here and we're not going to take any more ground. We're not going to move ahead. We're putting up stops and we're staying here. The church is always looking for new horizons. It's always trying to, to respond to what God is saying in the world today. They're always seeking to take new ground. Jesus said, go into the world, baptising, helping people to do all that I've called them to do, and I'll be with you. Right through the Bible, it says that we're called to go, to proclaim, to tell. We are his people. We are his body. And therefore, we're to live in such a way that is telling and declaring to other people that we belong to him. Shout your fame through all the earth. We want to tell of what he's done. I wonder this morning, is your life as part of the people of God one that proclaims to others who Jesus is, what he's done for you? I want to tell you as we just close today that God right through the very ages right through the ages, has been calling people to himself. And I think it's true that to say that while I was at Baronia Baptist from five years old, God's been calling people to himself here in Wodonga District Baptist. But what he's been doing here, he's been doing right throughout the world in calling people to himself. I, I uh, have heard about what he's been doing here particularly. Uh, someone was just telling me last, this week, about people who have played a significant part in this church as the people of God. Uh, one man just particularly will, will be enough to share with you a little bit about the fact that 
often when we look back in the church, it's not going to be so much the pastors or the uh, paid staff that are the ones that will be remembered, but often will be the ones that people know very little about. Um, Alec Woodward was just a 38-year-old carpenter at the TB hospital in Bonangilla migrant camp when he and his wife Connie hosted the first meeting of the Wodonga Baptist Fellowship in their housing commission home in 11 William Street on the 4th of February 1949. Aubrey Baptist had seen that there were families here and that it was time to see whether a new church might start. So Alec, a 38-year-old carpenter, opened his home. That was the very beginning of the work amongst the Baptist church here in Wodonga. And right from the beginning, Alex, uh, uh, Alec humbly and diligently served the people of God here in Wodonga, right through its different stages as a church. And when he passed away, you know what I, I've, I heard? That they found in his possession was a church directory, and next to each name had been placed dates of when he had prayed for each person in this church. Uh, this man was someone who had prayed diligently for every person in the church right through his life. You know, that's just one picture of someone being part of the people of God, recognising their role, however small, that they can play in helping God's church take new horizons and go ahead. I just want to, as we close now, plead with you. Uh, The people of God is you and me. Look around. We're part of God's family. And this year, 2008, won't you, uh, why don't you recognise that you are his people, that you are his chosen ones, that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to him. And may you live your life aware of that, serving, proclaiming and giving glory to God as a result. And may you make an impact like Alex Woodward did and like so many others are doing today. Let's pray as we close. God, we've seen your fingerprints and your handiwork in this place so clearly and so obviously. God, thank you for being one who calls people to yourself. Our response is worship. Our response is to say, God, we're so thankful that you called us, that you declared us holy, that you declared us righteous. And God, we pray that this year would be one where we serve in your house as your people for your glory, proclaiming the things that you have done. Oh God, we love you. We thank you that we're part of your family, part of your people through faith in your son. Jesus Christ. We thank you in his name. Amen.